fear of a bully, fear of a volcano. The power within you does not distinguish. It does not recognize degrees. That's a quote from N.K. Jennison. I hope I pronounced her name right. Fight or flight. I don't think there are many adults who are unaware of the idea of fight or flight, and very likely they've experienced it themselves on some level. We live in a very on society, don't we? And so we see in relatively small areas, like people driving aggressively or getting angry at seemingly nothing. We see that. But then we hear of reports of people coming back from inhumane experiences, fighting in wars. And then, of course, they have been living in this fight-or-flight state. And I'll be honest, I haven't really thought about the consequences of that. I, I guess, if anything, I would have thought about those in the extreme, those who have lived through war, through truly traumatic situations. But I hadn't given much thought to the state that we very often are in on a regular basis until my conversation with Amy Novotny. Amy has established an entire career around helping people to release and find ease instead of being in that constant state of tension of fight or flight. Now, before our conversation, I think I would have probably dismissed the idea that most of us are walking around in that state, although I would have, during conversation, acknowledged, yeah, I think most of us probably have experienced some sort of trauma just because life is so weird. (laughs) But the physicality, the way our bodies are being kind of molded and trained to be in that state was fascinating to me. So I am really excited to be able to introduce you to Amy Novotny and have her explain exactly what she does, why she does it, and how you can benefit from her help and support. Sure, Um, right there. (laughs) It is just so nice to spend some time with you, Amy, with your penguins behind you. And I personally love to just have people talk about, first of all, what they do just briefly, and more importantly, why you love doing what you do. Basically, ever since I was little, I've loved life, just loved people, and so loved animals, loved nature, and just fascinated by the inner workings of how things work together, the way that we operate. And so as I grew up, I shifted into more of a medical world and started beginning to look at how people move. So I got my doctor in physical therapy, but then shifted even from there into how can we calm down the nervous system, that fight or flight mode to allow us to calm ourselves down, to free us from pain, stress, anxiety, help us with sleep issues, get rid of medications, and even get rid of orthopedic surgeries. And when I started doing that, people started telling me about different benefits. Like it helped them with their trauma, their abuse, their emotions, their mental stresses. And so now it has broadened into wide categories of how I can help people both in person and virtually. 
I can't tell you, it is such a high. It is such a benefit and a pleasure and an honor to work with people and watch them transform how they carry themselves, their nervous system, how they breathe to emerge into this new person. Wow. And often it's like taking them back to when they're a kid, as long as they didn't have trauma as a kid, but when they were just free flowing, just free to move and to just be. Wow, that sounds so, for one, all-inclusive and almost overwhelming in, in the idea that it could work. And I mean, we are, a lot of us kind of jaded. We want to believe things, but it just feels like we have so much coming at us. Like, this is the thing. This is the thing. So to have something like what you offer that can cover so many issues, can you explain to someone like me who doesn't understand or, or know what you do, yeah. how how does it, how can it address all of those things? Understanding, of course, that the nervous system, it, that makes sense. That yeah. If you can touch the nervous system, it kind of yeah. fingers out to everything. Right. So we often think of pain as an injury or as an aging process or something is wrong with us. And I challenge people on that belief. And I think, tell them, think of it this way. Pain is often a signal from your body to your brain that something is off positioned. Now, how do we get off position? Let's go through that. So I mentioned the nervous system, the fight or flight nervous system. There's a counterbalance called your parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest, digest, relaxation. The fight or flight nervous system is your sympathetic nervous system. So these two nervous systems are constantly in fluctuation. You know, one is up, the other's down, and they kind of just go back and forth. Now, ideally, we would like to be in parasympathetic. So we would like to be in a relaxed mode and exist that way because our body functions better. Hormones are better, our blood, everything just works better. Our body feels free. The problem is we have different stressors in our life that push us into that fight or flight mode. And then you can think about it, work, finances, relationships. If you have kids, you have parents, you have now a pandemic, you have economical struggles, you know, countrywide, worldwide, anything you think about, you go drive down the street, there's road rage, any of these little stressors puts you up at a different nervous system level. It kind of bumps you up a level. And when that happens, besides those cortisol levels increasing and some hormonal changes, and you feel that stress response, there's an actual physiological change in your way your muscles work. The muscles actually tighten on top of just whatever you're doing. So if let's say I'm lifting up a bucket and I hear a gunshot go off. Now my biceps muscle is going to contract just lifting up the bucket, but now when a gunshot went off in my ear, I'm going to tense up even further. My body went into fight or flight mode. So my muscles are going to contract even more without my conscious awareness. I'm not going to sit there and say contract to get me away from that gunshot. I'm just going to do it without my awareness. So when I lay down that bucket and put it down, there is still going to be that sympathetic tone in my muscles and body from that gunshot that I... If I'm not consciously aware of, I'm not going to alleviate. I'm not going to get rid of it. And so this is what happens with every stressor in our life is that we go and we have these stressors, muscles tighten up in our body. But if we're not consciously aware of it, we can't release them. And so our body is amazing at habituation. We get used to things. So if we don't 
become aware of that extra tension, that nervous system driven tension, our body's going to adjust to that. And our nervous system is say, it's going to say, okay, I'm going to keep you at that level of nervous tension. I'm going to keep that bicep turned on. I'm going to keep those upper traps. I'm going to keep these muscles all over your body turned on because you didn't consciously tell me to let go and to release. And this builds and it builds and it builds. And what happens then is you get above this threshold. You wake up one day. Nothing's, nothing different has happened an injury or anything like that. But you just had just enough stressors, maybe a big stressor, family issue, death, you know, move, anything like that. You wake up one day and you have pain or you have a panic attack or anxiety. And you don't know how to get rid of it because you've gone above a threshold now you can't go below it because you can't recognize how to go below it. And every time those muscles tighten up, they're shifting your bones and your skeletal structure just a bit. So then it's enough that tissues start to pinch together. And then you can't get the muscles to release. So the pinch, pinching of the tissues can't release as well. Or you have chronic fatigue. Or I can name a whole slew of different conditions that are all related to this stressors that have built up over your life. So, so it compounds then. It does. And yes. because if I'm understanding what you're saying, as it's compounding because you haven't trained to go back to a relaxed state, yeah, it just stays there and, and that becomes the norm. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Okay. And the, the problem is we're in a society that rewards and encourages us to be on top of our game all the time and to push, to push, to push. So when we feel that tension in our body, our body's buzzing, our mind can't shut off, we're taught, you know what? Act, do more, just perform at that high level to achieve more because we're afraid of stopping and saying, I need to sit, curl up in a ball, let my belly out and breathe. Or just relax because that's looked at as sloppy, lazy, right. incompetent. It's looked at with all these negative connotations. Whereas we don't realize that if we take those breaks, especially little ones throughout the day, it will make us even greater and stronger when we are performing. Okay. So talk about that then. Um, as you describe that, the need is just sort of curl up and and, and mm -hmm. take time for yourself, I immediately feel like, oh, that sounds sweet. <laughs> but <laughs> it's never going to happen because yeah. of the thinking that you just described, mm -hmm. kind of the bravado that goes along with, oh, yeah. I don't sleep. I like, I just keep going forever, you know, like that's the mm -hmm. good thing. So yeah. for someone who would hear that and think mm -hmm. the same as me, oh, like, oh, that's sweet. How can yeah. you help us to appreciate the value of it. So how much time are you sure. talking about and what is the result? Okay. So let's go back to a biceps muscle. Let's say it's a foot long. Just going to just guesstimate, just say foot long. If we contract that muscle and keep and shorten it to about half the length and we're just there all the time because we're on all the time, that muscle's working, we're, we're kicking butt, we're on all the time. When we need to go use that muscle, and really generate some power and, and push and strength, it's going to start from that 50% state and contract. Oh. Your ability to generate strength during that portion is going to be a lot less than if you started from your resting state of 12 inches long. Got it. 
And so what happens then, if you are in that six inch state because you're contracted all the time, you are using your resting energy just to exist in that contracted state. You're taking away from your focus, you're taking away from your performance, you're taking away from your patience to deal with other people, your ability to be present and listen to someone because you are expending energy just to be in that contracted state, that on state. Whereas if we can let you go so that you go back to your original length, you're back to your resting state, Now, when you need to act and perform, you have the full length of that muscle contraction. You have the full capacity of your energy to achieve and to perform. And it will show up in your energy and your reaction, your interactions with people because you're exuberant. You are going from a rested state. So if you can think about it from your body, now imagine your whole body doing that. Right. (laughs) It's really powerful. And so what I tell people is, and I do this myself, and I know this because I was an A-type person. I filled every second of every single day with as much as I could, and it led me down a a health spiral, which is not good. So I shifted. So I say to people, I know you have meetings. I know you have appointments. Spend at least five minutes after each one of those appointments to walk away from your workspace. Okay, so what does that mean? So physically leave your workspace. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because you want to get away from the energy that you just expended on whatever meeting. So there's a reason why I say walk away. One is to get away from the energy where you were just so intense, where you're focused on someone, your eyesight is a set distance, where everything is just so enveloped in what you just did. So if when you walk away, one, you're going to get movement. Two, you're going to breathe differently. Three, it's going to use your eyes differently. So you're looking at different distances, which is going to help your eyesight. But it also helps you shift your energy and pause so your brain can get a break so that you can calm down your nervous system. And what I do is I'll walk outside, walk around in the backyard, walk back in, or I just walk around the house. Maybe I'll go, you know, in times of COVID when we're at home, I'll go wash the dishes or, you know, do something around the house that's gets me moving. You so know, just can, that break would absolutely. be enough to start kind of resetting yourself. Yeah. And yes, and obviously there's breathing stuff I teach people as well. So I recommend doing something like that. And it just takes a couple minutes, five minutes to help church to shift you and to re-energize you. That is fascinating. And I, I think it's important for people who are listening to be able to identify some of the identifiers. So Mm -hmm. because we are a society who is always on, Mm -hmm. and I think guilt is a big driver for a lot of people that, yeah. If you stop in the middle of the day, there's this sort of like the being lazy thing. So what are some of the symptoms that a person may be experiencing as which would identify that they need to do this? So some of the more common ones are you feel tension throughout your body. You feel that buzz feeling. Some of the others are if your rib cage is up and elevated. That's a big one. Most people don't realize that. Yeah, how would you know if you're just open elevated? <laughs> Can you blow out and drop your your breastbone down? So if you put your hand on your chest, now you breathe in through your nose and then blow out through your mouth. Can you feel 
your breastbone sink under your hand. That will tell you two things. If you don't feel it sink, your rib cage is stuck up. So you're going to be in fight or flight mode. If you do feel it sink, that's good because your rib cage is mobile. But then now you know that your rib cage was high because it sank down. Oh, you want it to be in that down state where your ribs are down because it will help calm you down. So those are some things and it. There's a bit of a process to learn how to shift that. But I have to tell you, it is so worth every second of that hard journey to get it back down because it calms you. When you say hard, is it physically hard or is it more of the mental thing taking the time to make it happen? Both. 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 Okay. It's it's hard physically because we're so used to sucking our gut up and in. Mm. As soon as we let our gut relax and our belly button to come out and to open up our midsection instead of closing it off like an hourglass... As soon as we open it up and let our rib cage be a cylinder again, instead of cinched off, then our ribs can drop down. We can open up and your energy can flow better. So that's a big thing that I'll talk to people about is, do you feel closed off in the middle? Do you feel your rib cage up and elevated? Are your shoulders elevated up by your ears? When you try to push them down, do you arch your back to try to push them down? Or can you drop your ribs to allow your shoulders to drop down? Now that's truly releasing your body. So So people are just walking around with a rib cage up. (laughs) Oh yes. You don't even know it. You're going to start noticing it. Watch people, especially you as a photographer, Lisa, you'll start noticing people. And of course, for something like a portrait, you want to stick out your chest, suck up your gut, look in that confident posed posture, but it should only be a short period of time. Because the more you do that, the more you pinch on that fight or flight nervous system and ramp you up. And the reason why it's in your back, lies along your spine. So when you stick your chest out, pull your shoulders back, You're contracting your back muscles, which is going to crunch on that nervous system, set you in fight or flight mode, which we don't want. We really, really don't want. Our body does not want to be that way. So that's a big cue that you're in fight or flight mode looking at your rib cage position. So if I, again, if I understand you, even if somebody is not feeling threatened, simply the way they're standing and carrying themselves can tell their body that they are in, uh, well, they'll they'll put themselves in an unhealthy state. Absolutely. That's fascinating. How you carry your rib cage. And I, I, posture is the common word. I say, how do you position yourself? Because your rib cage position determines everything. Because when you hold it a certain way, when you're standing, when you're sitting, when you're lying down, if you're on your hands and knees, when you're bent over, All of that, all of those movements, all of those positions, your body is is taking in that information saying, okay, do you want me to be in fight or flight mode when you're reaching, when you're bending over? Do you want me to be in those fight or flight states? Okay. My rib cage is, you know, chest is out, rib cage, the front is elevated. Okay. I'm going to be in fight or flight mode. I'm going to tighten muscles all over my body so that when I go to move, my body is expecting me to run, fight, or flee. But sometimes I want to bend over to reach something. But if my body's in fight or flight mode, the back muscles are tight. I go to bend over. They need to relax to allow my vertebrae to shift. But if I'm in fight or flight mode and the back muscles are kicked in, it's going to cause pinching of tissues, pinching of nerves, discs will slip, discs will herniate. 
creates a big problem. So all of how we carry ourselves can determine whether or not we're in fight or flight mode, and that sends a signal to our brain. Our brain then responds, muscles tighten up, we feel tension, we feel tight. Anyone who tells me that they have tight hamstrings and they tight their whole life, I know they're partly in fight or flight mode and they can't breathe and calm themselves down to allow their body to free up. Seriously. Dead serious. Dead serious. Yeah. Yeah. I see it all the time. And it's what's even better is when someone says they have tight hamstrings or tight all over, you teach them to breathe differently. And all of a sudden now their hamstring length goes back to a normal state and they feel let go. It's amazing their transformation. They'll get up and they're almost confused about their existence because they've only known one state so far and they they thought that was normal. And then when you shift them out of that fight or flight state and their body's in a neutral position, free flowing, they don't even know what to do with themselves. They're so giddy. They're so happy. It's oh. it's so much fun. When you learn how to do this, it is so much fun. You just want to play on everyone you know because you know you can shift them into a happier state, this freedom in their body, you just want to play all day long. Can you tell when you are talking to people? Kind oh, of yeah. what's can you really? Yeah. When people yeah. know that are they kind of like uh <laughs> looking around like, oh no, <laughs> she knows what's wrong with me. <laughs> Actually, most people aren't most people aren't afraid of me knowing what they are. They're usually, okay, what can I do? How can oh, I do good. what can I how can you shift me as quickly as possible? They're always very curious. Most people are curious about what their body is saying about them and their state, their mental state, their physical state, their emotional state. So it's usually never something against, but they know it's hard for me to turn off. And I never, ever say anything to anyone unless they ask. So they, they know I always come to them with love. I accept them how they are. If they want to shift their body and shift the way they are, they can ask. I'm more than willing to share with them, but I'm never going to just come out and just say, guess what? You know, your rib cage is really high there. (laughs) (laughs) And you can help people remotely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Have clients and, you know, all over the world who I do this with. And the beauty of remote is I can record the session and give them access to the session. So as we go through everything and we're shifting and I'm coaching them and they hear me repeating things and saying, do this, do this, do this, they can watch it over. They can watch it over as many times as they want. They can download it. They can watch it for the next 10 years to practice and to review everything that their body needs for them to work on. So talk about that. Is it something that a person would have to revisit? Or is it typically, can they kind of get it and then they're, they're okay? They typically have to revisit because most of the time, everything that they are doing right now, the way they exist is based on habits. It's based on a habit that's developed through the nervous system. So the nervous system is your communication source to your muscles. And so you have to work on shifting that internal wiring. And the beauty of it is your body wants to change into that resting state. It doesn't want to be in fight or flight mode. So as you start to feel the change, once you can feel it and reproduce it, your body starts to own it. And so that's why I tell people five minutes here and there throughout the day, because your body wants to shift. Though. Once you learn how to do it, those five minutes are reminders just to make sure you didn't get stuck into fight or flight mode. Initially, those five minutes are, let's break you out of fight or flight mode. But then you start to shift into, okay, now I'm in maintenance. 
let me just make sure that my body didn't get stuck in a certain situation because a lot of breathing techniques out there, nothing against them at all because they help people. But one of the things that they don't always address, and I haven't met anyone who actually addresses this, is when you're doing your breathing workshops, they taught you how to breathe in a certain pattern or a certain method, keeping your body in the state that you are in. So if your back is turned on and you're practicing breathing, but your back is turned on so you're in a fight or flight state, your breathing is going to reflect the fight or flight state because your breathing is dependent on your rib cage position. So if your rib cage is putting you in fight or flight mode, you're going to use your ribs to breathe instead of your diaphragm. And that's why I focus so much on your body position first. Then we pair you're breathing with that because if I can get your body position in a, out, out of that fight or flight mode into relaxation mode, now we can shift your breathing to use your diaphragm. But if you don't change your body position and you do all that breath work, you're going to stay thinking about all the million things that you need to do because your body is telling you to be that way. Interesting. So, well, yeah. I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> You were just, your body was telling you what it, what it was telling you. I'll go with that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then I'm thinking the, the other type of trauma, of course, emotional mm -hmm. trauma. Um, yeah. I think all of us know the body remembers that even if the mind doesn't. Yeah. So do you find that with working with people, sometimes it can be an, an emotional and vulnerable experience because of that? Yeah, absolutely. I'll get people who release, who cry, whose other personalities will show up. Yes. And it's, it's hard to watch, but not because of what they're going through, but because you know, they're in a different type of pain. And when I work with people, they are allowed to express themselves in any way. If they want to cry, I never stop them. I say, let it out let the release come out. And the reason why is because as they start to feel parts of their body release, just like you said, it's held in our body. There are certain areas where people who have had trauma, we've all had trauma, but sometimes people experience more severe trauma and abuse. There's certain areas in our body where it's held. And a lot of times they can go through psychological you know, work through with a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, and they're clearing their mind from the mental and emotional trauma, but they're still stuck because it's held in their breastbone, in the armpits, in the xiphoid process below the breastbone, in the hip flexors, in the front of the hips. These are areas where we store a lot of our trauma. And because we close ourselves down, but we do it in a fight or flight state. And so what happens then is if they can still feel the tension in those areas, they can't fully clear themselves. So we work yes. through that. And as soon as, and it's a very vulnerable feeling, I must tell you, if you imagine reaching and allowing your armpit to open up and the pec muscles to turn off, it's a very vulnerable feeling. Because we're used to having our arms down by our side or elbows by our side. It's a protective position. But as soon as we open up the armpits and allow ourselves to breathe and our rib cage to drop down away from our armpits, now we're vulnerable. And so working with someone through that in a very safe situation where they know they can express anything at all, no judgment, 
and they can learn how to free themselves up. And a lot of times this is why I like virtual is because my hands aren't on them. They're mm. controlling their whole experience right. so they can take it as far as they want to and they can free themselves up and they can get a release and they just feel so much better. And then now all of a sudden they can move differently and it just shifts them out of that trauma. And now when they work with their psychologist, psychiatrist, or therapist, they're able to apply some of the techniques that were taught to them to clear it fully from their body. I'm thinking of someone I know that has had trauma his whole life, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, yeah. But he did go through this really fascinating process. of It's kind of a visualization. I don't remember what it was called, but yeah. he, he was stunned at how well it worked. But yeah. I see that the way he carries himself. And I just assumed it's because it's just like habit, the way he's carried himself throughout his life. And yeah. it's just what it is. And I wonder if it has something to do with that. Um, Highly likely. Because now he'll have back pain for seemingly no reason. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly what I'm talking about. And it shows up that way. And so one of the things that was has always been a little bit I say disappointing to me is I would get referrals where people were accused of malingering or they were said they were told that there's no reason on their x-ray MRI CAT scan whatever as a cause of their pain I don't know why they have pain just you know I think they're making it up or it's all psychological or take a drug <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. and to me that's very disappointing because I believe everyone's pain is actually real and when I hear that your pain is psychological, like you have back pain, it's just in your head. I tell people it's not just in your head. There is a physical change in your muscles, in your body that's contributing to your pain. And yes, it's tied to your psyche, but not in the way people think. It's not just made up in your head. It's an actual stressor that has caused a physical change in the muscle that has led to pinching of tissues. The body is out of position. And so we can address some of those stressors, but we also have to address the awareness of what the muscles are doing and how to release those muscles so the pain goes away. Wow. Yeah. Now so. I have a whole list of people <laughs> that I can think of. Seriously, even people with yeah. emotional issues, I'm thinking now. So exactly what you described, they've spent years going to doctors. Yeah. And the doctor's like, well, we don't know what's wrong with you here. Take yeah. another cocktail of drugs. Yeah. See, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It, no wonder this is such a rewarding work for you. It is. And the beauty is they control it. Everything I teach you learn and you control. So I can never take it away from you. Mm. I'm giving you something that you can take and impl implement in all aspects of your life. It's you're, You initially rely on me to teach it, but that's short-lived because then you own it and it's not like you have to continue to see me, continue to work with me. You, whatever comes your way, you can keep yourself calm and you don't let it go into your body. You don't let the negative whatever's happening imprint into your body hmm. because you have this tool to block it and say you know what I'm going to get through this I might you know I that stress response is going to kick in so I can act but I'm going to calm it back down so it doesn't stay in me and I can then let go fascinating yeah. I'd like to circle back to and I know you've addressed it already on on some level but what are some day-to-day -day symptoms sure people can can look at it and say, oh, I might need this. 
Yes. Yes. So besides the rib cage position, we mentioned a little bit the body tension, feeling on edge. If you find yourself losing patience over something little, you then, you know, maybe your coffee spilled and you you have a big reaction to that. Instead of realizing, okay, I just need to wipe it up, clean the floor. If you have a big reaction, if you feel like you're tight all over, if you go to bend over and you feel stiff, these are all signs that there is something going on that you're in fight or flight mode. If you get out of work and you're just on edge and you think, okay, I need to go get some alcohol to calm me down. That's another sign. If you are just going, 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 and you're eating all day long, another sign. If you're chewing gum and you're popping one piece of gum after another in your mouth, another sign. All of these are things that you are on edge and we need to work on shifting you out of that, giving you that feeling of how to release and to let go. If you're having trouble with focus, with attention, things in your job, if you're feeling overwhelmed and your brain is scattered, you have that brain fog, those are more signs. So all of these things are a sign from your body to your brain, enough is enough. You need to shift the way that you are doing things. You need to take some time. And I'm not saying you need to go take an hour here, two hours here. I'm just saying five minutes here, five minutes there. Really? All of that us can integrate it. It really does make a difference. Wow. Once you start feeling it and shifting it, you'll you'll realize the benefit of those five minutes. I can't tell you. I never schedule meetings back to back anymore because of that reason, because I want my five minutes of downtime. I always have that five minutes. And one of your clients, the testimonial talked about Mm -hmm. sleep. He was having Mm -hmm. issues with sleep. Yeah, and that you helped him within a very short period of time as well. Yeah, and he he's a sportscaster. He won several Emmys. He's you know does stuff in Dallas, and he was having trouble sleeping. He was having trouble speaking, going from one broadcast to the next while he's on TV. And so he's the first time I worked with him, and I did you know 10, 15 minutes with him. That night, he slept for eight hours straight, and he said he's never done that. And so he decided to implement that. And so he's on the TV set, and when one broadcast ends, he runs off into a little room and practices blowing through the straw to calm him down. So that way, when he merges and goes on the next broadcast, he has more energy. It was like what I was talking about later, earlier, that muscle he lengthened it back so that when he needed to perform, he could do that. Soon as that's over, goes back, blows through the straw, does the breathing to calm himself down. So then he has more energy. And the energy is a calm energy. That's the beauty of it. It's not a hyper energy where I'm scattered. It's a calm energy that exudes confidence in a way that really allows people to come in and to really accept what you're saying. I have to ask, why would breathing through a straw help? <laughs> that is what he talked about in the testimonial. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> because I never sleep, honestly. I just don't, yeah. I, I hardly ever sleep. So I was especially intrigued, but then he said that mm-hmm. about the straw. What? Yeah. <laughs> so the straw, when you blow out into a straw, you're creating a cylinder of air. 
we want your rib cage to go away from that hinge where the front is lifted up and you're hinging off your low back. We want it to go back down into a cylinder. So when you blow out into a straw, you're not pursing your lips, so you're not creating pressure. We are creating an open airway. We want to just blow and let the air out. So that's why we use a straw. And here's why it helps with sleep. So when I was talking earlier about those muscles that tense up all throughout our body, if we're doing that all day long, and there's that nervous tension tone in our muscles on top of just everyday use of our muscles, how do we expect by closing our eyeballs that that nervous tension is going to go away? Doesn't. Yes. You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking people always tell me you just need to shut your mind down. But what you're saying makes sense. How can I, if my if my body isn't shut down yet? That makes exactly. Yeah. That if your body is tense and your nervous system is telling the muscles to contract, that means you're awake. So your mind's going to be awake. So if you learn how to do this, especially the five minutes throughout the day, you start turning off your body and giving it permission to be in parasympathetic relaxation, then when you go to sleep at night, you can do some of the breathing to give yourself permission. Again, your body's going to recognize it's time to turn off. Your brain can recognize it's time to turn off so you can sleep. Yeah. It's powerful. I want to ask you, and it's, it seems like it may be something you contemplate just on a daily basis. Um, as someone who helps so many people by looking inward herself, mm -hmm. That question that I that is the theme of this whole podcast. How do you want to be seen? How would you answer that? So this is actually really important to me is I want to be seen as someone that a person can rely on and trust to know that every single one of my acts and actions and communication is to help you feel safe, feel calm so that you can be the best version of yourself. And when I interact with people, most of the people who know me and I interact with, they know that anything they say to me is going to be safe. I'm not going to judge them. And that's really what I, how I want to be seen as someone who can help you transform your life in a way that is safe for you, in a way that resonates with you, and that you can feel good about, that you are gaining control of your life. So if I can be that person who can just be that backboard for you, to be that communicator for you, that's how I want to be seen. Yeah. We're going to make sure that you, your link is up because as I went to your website, um, it's actually a, a matter of having to scroll down to see all of the different issues that you can help mm -hmm. people with. And I thought just the first section of it was impressive. And then it just kept going and going. <laughs> and it's, yeah. we just live in a society that I think fits that very description that you gave. Do you feel stressed? I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I don't even think we know it. But it's like we don't know how to be, just yep. to be. Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're so such a complex network of connectivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, like every bit of us, and it's it's a bit sad that we're um we're so myopic mm -hmm. in, in our view. But yeah, it's so cool yeah. what you do, though. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. love the idea that you're trying to empower people. Yeah, to be in yes. control of their life in a calm, relaxed way. That's wonderful. <laughs> well, thanks thank for you. thanks for taking your time. Um, I'll be very interested to hear what our hearers have to say about it. 
I really appreciate you having me on and thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I've enjoyed this conversation and I appreciate, you know, your listeners tuning in and giving me their time to learn and grow. So thank you so much. Absolutely. It was a joy. I'll be honest. There were so many times that I've thought about how grateful I am to have established this, this format for having conversations. It's a podcast, but that's what it is to me because I get to meet people like Amy and hopefully in the future work with people like Amy. And I am determined to try to put into practice some of the things that she introduced. And I can already tell that I will probably have some resistance to it just from the things that she said, but I want to be committed to do that. And in line with that conversation, as we look around at the world, um, there's plenty to feel a little stressed about. And so maybe contacting Amy, going to her link, which is going to be in our links, where she has some videos to help us with breathing. I'm, I've yet to check it out, but I'm about to. Do that and then reach out to her and see if you can get the help that you need. And in the meantime, always be conscientious, be safe. Look for opportunities to be kind and truly thank you for listening.